welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. I am your host, Stephanie Brownyard. I have an insatiable desire for adventure and knowledge, and with this, I have been on a quest to discover what the purpose of life is and what it all means. In this podcast, we will embark on a journey, the journey of life. With my guest, we will share in stories and celebrate all that life has to offer from the challenging times to the victories of one's dreams, love, and life experiences. Through authentic conversation and thought-provoking dialogue, it is my hope you will unravel and uncover the magic that makes your life so extraordinary. We all come from different walks of life with different beliefs, but we all have similar desires and needs. Our paths are all so different, but yet we are all so connected. Let's come together to hear each other and to learn from one another and see the beauty in every experience, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. In the process, we can all heal a little, have some laughs, and perhaps shed a few tears with a whole lot of inspiration. Join me on this exploration to uncover your magic. Are you ready? Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode. I'm so glad to have you here. Today, I was graced by my friend Cam Zarduzian, and we explored breath and the Wim Hof Method. Breath is something that we do automatically and oftentimes take it for granted because it's something that we don't have to think about and essential to living because if we're not breathing, we're most likely not living. I myself had to learn breath and the power of breath at a young age because I grew up with asthma and training for soccer on the East Coast during the super hot, humid weather. I could easily go into having an asthma attack. So I learned at a young age the power of breath and how to calm myself down and how to consciously breathe and have that mindset to be calm so I didn't go into having an asthma attack. Through the years, I've learned many different types and techniques of breathing through my yoga practice And in recent years, I stumbled across the Wim Hof Method, which has caught the attention of millions across the world. Since 2018, Cam has inundated himself with learning all things breath and the power of using this tool to enhance and optimize our physical performance and to manage disease. He has attended many retreats to earn his certification as a Wim Hof instructor. I hope you find today's episode insightful and you start exploring a breath practice that suits you. As always, I'm so pumped to have you here and enjoy today's episode. Please share this episode with someone who would fancy this conversation and please follow and leave a happy review on your favorite podcast player. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Camo. Hi, Steffi. How are you? So we had quite a start (laughs) together. So I think actually we probably should take some breath to get centered here because are you good? Always, always good to do breath. Always. It's never fails. It never fails to reground, just kind of like shed just for your listeners. Like I kind of parked myself as a pseudo technologist and I had a heck of a time <laughs> connecting to Zoom today. But uh, it's powerful, of course, because what you said the moon is in retrograde with Jupiter. I don't really know what all that stuff. Oh, I don't know. I think it is, but like, you know, a few weeks ago my car got hit in a parking lot where nobody else was. Blair just called me right like literally 30 minutes before our episode. He's like, why is his car? And 
Do you have the most incredible laugh? Has anybody ever told you that? This is, I just want to go on the record to tell you that that laugh is impossible. <laughs> Look at you. Now I'm not going to be able to stop. That's how it happens. I'm going to go, we're clumps. <laughs> but no, so Blair is stuck somewhere. Poor guy. I was like, do you want me to reschedule? He's like, no, the show must go on. So, and he knew I was uh-huh. talking with you and I've been preparing all week. So he's like, no, just do it. So he's, he's like MacGyver in well, Blair's that, suit. So that's where I was thinking. Like there's so many directions we can go with what we want to talk about today. And look, I'm so serious. I'm going to take my glasses off. One of the subjects I thought we can talk about is how much I love your husband. Like Blaro, which I call him Blaro. I call him nine layer Blair. Cause he's always got layers of clothing. That guy is. You know, you both like struck gold when you found each other, which I think this should be a whole <laughs> podcast to itself is how you guys came to be is subject of interest. Is it? Well, I have yet to have him on. I keep telling him I need to book him for the show. And he's like, call my people. So he will be out on, on, his on people. the podcast. Let's do this. I know. Let's, I know. Let's so have him on. He, we but, will. And of course, you know, Cam and I, we know each other from jujitsu. So let's go back to that. Let's introduce you. So Cam, can you pronounce your last name? Because I just call you Camo. You do. You do call me Camo. And I think that we have Annie to thank for that. So we have a tight group of friends and I love you like a sister. And I know that you like me like a distant brother. (laughs) Yeah. So my... That I get to choke. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Still haven't choked me. Hmm. Yeah, because your neck is so thick that I like. Hey, easy. You don't... Sorry. We're, Sorry. <laughs> we're in public. Easy. Um, this is a family show here. Show. <laughs> so, yeah, we know each other from, from many circles friend circles, jujitsu circles. Yeah, like you're best friends with my girlfriend. I'm in love with your boyfriend, your husband, boyfriend. Boyfriend, husband. Yeah, your husband, who once was a boyfriend. Yeah, it's just. It's okay. I tell him I'm his wife, his girlfriend, and his mistress. So he's all set. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. That could be the title of my podcast. Just building on your, the name of yours, which is fabulous, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. I know. I I think it's an interesting name that throws people off. But for me, it's got a deeper meaning from the superficial meaning of the dream, the date, and the broken bra. So it's fun. So <laughs> I promised myself today that whatever happens on your podcast today, whatever subject we cover, and there are lots of subjects we can cover, that I would answer your questions and not let you run away with your machine gunning of, of questions that you do so well. And if you remember when you were fishing around, you were socializing names for your podcast. The one that I was lobbying the most was what? Oh, yeah. Good luck answering. Uh, Good luck answering. <laughs> Good luck answering because well, you're so, you're so well, good hopefully at you've listened to other podcasts that you do hear that I do let, <laughs> let people answer their questions. So I've, I've, you know, I've learned, yeah. but it is hard because I just get excited for the next and you it's do. like, bam, 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 bam. But I mean, honestly, really, like, I know there is a lot to talk about, but I think, and we can go off whatever direction. Actually, Cam and I were starting to talk like, what do we want to talk about? And he's like, let's just hit record. So that's like, we're kind of doing our debriefing and just going for it. But I know 
I think what I admire you about and what you've like, you've started this like movement, especially in our jujitsu community. And I know you also welcome other people in the community that we live in to come and maybe people even fly to come work with you in your breath. And I know it's now become a thing inside of our jujitsu community and other jujitsu communities. And, you know, I started really focusing on breathing back when I started doing yoga in like college because I had asthma and I had to learn a way to calm down because I was also an at like a division one soccer player, collegiate soccer player. I would get asthma attacks and during training and stuff, especially in the summertime when it's like super, I was on the East coast, it would be super hot and humid. And I'd have to learn how to control my breath to not go into having an asthma attack. And I did that through diet and food and then also like my breath and then yoga, also the practice of yoga, of getting centered and grounded and then also like the breath. But now it seems like there's a whole nother movement going on. And um, I got familiar with it through you. And then through also through COVID, I started taking the Wim Hof, um, his like online I I didn't do his like online class, but his like free online classes of like the breath, the cold and its flexibility is the third part. Correct. That's one of them. And so I just, I, I really would love, I mean, there's so much in that because I, you're so inspired by that. You are passionate about it and really wanting to make an impact for people. So, and I think breath as we do it, so automatically we take it for granted and because we know that it's hopefully going to be the next breath but it's also a tool that we can use that if you maximize your breath or like learn different techniques it can also help you in other areas would you say that's kind of accurate or what would you add to that (laughs) a little (laughs) introduction okay where where to begin where to begin um (laughs) wow okay uh maybe we set we set the kind of the foundation from which we can kind of build from so your audience uh can follow along and not think that we're completely out of our minds um, just a little just a little so um breath technique yes so i fell into learning about the wim hof method uh back in 2018 and i think that's a that's a good place to start um and so if i can take two minutes to talk about that which back in 2018 if i was in a room and i would ask people how many people have heard of wim hof you might get one out of 30 people. Today, mm-hmm. that's, that number has grown. Um, so this guy, this Dutch guy, um, his name is Wim, his last name is Hoff, developed this method that focuses on three components. The first one is breathing exercises. The second one is voluntary exposure to environmental elements. In this case, we use cold and cold therapy. And then the third one is kind of the the benefit of if you focus on two, the third will follow. And that is kind of a mindset and focus that, that are the three pillars of the Wim Hof method. I was working for a near clinical wearable company. So think of like Fitbit, but a lot more accurate. I called Biostrap. Hi, Samir. How you doing? And 
the CEO asked me to, you know, he came across a study that was published on the Wim Hof method. It was the endotoxin study, which they inject the Wim with these dead particles of E. coli, and they kind of measure what happens with the physiology. And through his technique, he was able to minimize, if not get rid of the side effects that are, uh, that can come about, which are like flu-like symptoms. And so he came across that study and asked me to look into it. And I did, and I was fascinated by it because I've always been fascinated with science. And during the daytime, I'm a data scientist. So I work with a lot of data. The Wim Hof method and the breath stuff is, as you mentioned, is, is a passion for me. It's, it's a avenue for me to, to serve and to help, um, share a lot of the knowledge that I'm, that I'm kind of absorbing with whoever happens to be in, in my circle, in my community. So I'm not really discovering anything new. I'm just absorbing information and sharing it in a practical way with, with people. So that's how I was exposed to the Wim Hof method. One study, you know, read one after the other and kind of the layers of this thing just kind of became fascinating to me. And I, like you, I took an online workshop. I think I looked, took like three or four of them. Then I did a, like a two-day workshop. Then I did a five-day workshop. And the next thing I know, I've done enough workshops where um, you know, the, the organizing body behind the Wim Hof Method said, hey, why don't you just consider becoming a Wim Hof instructor? And this was back in 2000, late 2018, 2019. And there were only like 150 people globally who were recognized and, and licensed by the Wim Hof organization to teach it. So I was like, okay, this can be an interesting side thing that I do. And I love the science behind it. I love what it's doing for me personally. And so I kind of went down that path. And since then, now we're going to fast forward three years, to 2022. Um, I find that the Wim Hof method is, is a, kind of for me as a, as a once a quarter kind of event where I organize workshops either at my house or a number of gyms that I'm, that I'm affiliated with. And I've done a, a, a bunch of um, uh, private sessions, mostly with like corporations and private individuals, like at their houses and things. Um, but the breath is something that is, it's almost like running. All you need is a pair of shoes. You don't really need much as far as equipment. You don't really need anything um, to be able to do breath. So I find the breath component to be a lot more accessible for not only for myself or for people. So I kind of went down that rabbit hole and began absorbing as much information as I possibly can and reading as many books as I possibly can and, and actually, you know, um, applying it, like going to a couple of seminars and, and, and speaking with some of the, some of the individuals who, who are, who are focusing on the science of breath. And as you know, I, I come at these, these practices predominantly from a scientific approach because I want that factual basis so that I can try to describe what is happening esoterically when we do breath, breath and it changes our chemistry. I want to be able to articulate from a science perspective why it is that we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, and I want to actually go back because you said what what it something about when you started learning more about it and doing it, you found it so fascinating and it had you keep going. And then knowing you and your science background, what did you find so fascinating about it that had you keep going on? Because I know probably too, like you like the science behind it. 
Um, what, what, what did, what in your research and in the beginning that had you keep going to be so fascinated with it? So great question. I do want to answer that very specifically. I need to give Mm -hmm. a little bit more background on the breath Mm -hmm. and why it spoke to me so much. Okay. So back in like you have been an athlete all my life and back in the late eighties, early nineties, I was competing in triathlon races done a bunch Mm -hmm. of Ironmans. I don't even know how many triathlons I've I've raced in, but I was kind of elite level age group triathlete. And we came across, I was training with some friends and, and uh, one of them had purchased this uh, program by a guy by the name of John Duyard, who's a chiropractor out of Colorado. And one of the things that he was a proponent of was nose breathing and training. Mm -hmm also using a heart rate monitor to be Wait, what do you mean no like breathing through your nose breathing or because you had holded one out okay so because yeah, so, you had holded i know that's another breath teeth when you hold one nostril one side of the nostril and breathe in through the one that's not close so because you had pictured that so you're just saying breathing in through your nose yeah so while you're exercising correct so not isolated okay. nostril breathing mm-hmm. but this is just like mm-hmm. you go out for a bike ride or you go for for a run and most of us when we do that <sighs> I mean, the tendency is mm-hmm. to breathe in and out of our mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big proponent. Shut your mouth and breathe through your nose. And so we were following. It's hard. Very <laughs> difficult. So we were following yeah. this program for like six or eight months, man. And it was painful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as triathletes, we're really just kind of married to our performance numbers. And you know, like you, you're watching your pace, your running pace go down. You're watching your average miles per hour on the bike go down and you're like what the hell am i doing this for and it's very painful so things didn't mm-hmm. but I, I knew that felt better but i just couldn't describe why i was feeling better Fast so you forward, were feeling better but your performance was going down performance and training was going down mm-hmm. i wasn't able to i think i gave up on the program i don't really remember what happened but mm-hmm. i just felt better but i couldn't describe mm-hmm. why why it was affecting me the way that it did Okay. So gave up on that program. Fast forward to like 10 years. Now I'm living in Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado. And my coach used to, and I was now I'm a cyclist. I'm just focusing on being a cyclist. And um, my coach used to you know, have us go up in the mountains, like nine or 10,000 feet of elevation. And again, nose breathing only. Which really sucked because not only back when I was triathlon racing, I was living in San Diego, so we're at sea level, but now I'm up in elevation, which is like making you even my physiology work even harder to grab Mm -hmm. those very precious and fleeting oxygen molecules. (laughs) But I all, again, I had like one of the best seasons um, as a cyclist out there and, you know, almost won those state championships. So, and so on and so forth. But I, again, I couldn't describe why it was having that impact on me. So I have mm-hmm. this history of training as an athlete, nostril breathing only through my nose during training, but I couldn't describe what it was. So now that it, this time when I got exposed to the breathing techniques in 2018, 2019, coming at it from a scientific perspective, Mm-hmm. I can describe what's happening to our physiology with regards to the interplay between carbon dioxide and oxygen and how those two work together to set the chemistry of the body up so that the body can can attract and transport 
as many oxygen molecules to our working factories, our muscles and, and our organs, and what the breathing can, can do for that. Now I can describe that. Now it makes sense to me why it is that I was feeling those feelings. So that's a long answer to your question. And I'll maybe I'll end it by saying that one of the reasons that I'm attracted to breathing is because it is an absolutely, in my humble opinion, um, the, the most accessible, meaning that anybody can do it relatively any place, any time. There are certain situations where you shouldn't or you, yeah, you shouldn't, but it can <laughs> have an absolute impact on our physiology, our emotionality, our mental. So it affects our mind, it affects our emotions, it affects our body. If you don't like how the world is moving around you and you're having a tough time wrapping your emotions around it and feeling grounded, if you're feeling anxiety or stress or you just don't like what's happening to you in any moment, if you take 10 breaths in a particular sequence, it'll begin to shift that. And it is, it is almost like a reset button that's, uh, that you can do. Uh, and you don't need to subscribe to anything. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to do anything. It's all just make you the impetus to, to breathe 10 or 20 or 30 times. And that will change your entire perspective and, and your world. And that's what, that's what attracts me to it. Do you want to go through like what a proper breath is? Because if people are like we breathe and it's so natural and it's automatic, but yet, we don't utilize a full breath. Um, does that even even do anything? So maybe describing like what, like how you actually should breathe in those moments of like what you were just describing, anxiety or stress or like unfeeling ungrounded. Do you want to go there? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to go there, I'm happy to go there. I mean, the proper, there is no, I guess the proper breathing depends on the situation. So, so long mm -hmm. as you're, you're conscious, it's almost mm -hmm. like eating. You can sit in front of a TV and shovel food in your mouth and be completely unconscious of what, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Or you can make your dinner and sit down at a table and like make an event out of it and be, it's almost like a meditative process where you're aware of every spoonful, every forkful of food that you put in your mouth and you put your fork down and you chew it and you're proper and you, and you pay attention to what you're eating. That's kind of like the analogy. And the breath is sort of the same thing. We breathe like the average, and the average person breathes 15 times per minute. That equates to roughly about 21,000 times that we breathe in a 24-hour cycle. Wow. Each time that we breathe, we're taking in uh, about 25, I'm going to say this number, it's a funny one, 25 sextillion molecules of oxygen. And that's just to give us some perspective. That's the number 25 with 21 zeros in front of it. And again, to give it a little bit more context, that's a big number. To give it a little bit more context, if we assume that there are 7 billion people on this planet, and if each person had 7 billion ancestors, so 7 billion times 7 billion, whatever that number is, which is 49 billion billion, that number is still to the factor of 500 less than the number of oxygen molecules that we breathe in with each breath. That's a Here's shit. Data. Shit. I mean, I love numbers. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. I, I love know. math. <laughs> I'm like glazing a over. Door. A door. I'm, like... <laughs> I'm a dork. 
What do you want me to tell <laughs> no, you? No, it's it's fascinating. So, but it's getting putting things into perspective. So you, I'm sorry, you were so going into the point is, is seven we, times more. Yeah, well, the point is we take in a shit ton of oxygen that in with each breath, but that doesn't mean that your body is utilizing that much oxygen. Yeah. In order for your body to utilize that much ox- that oxygen to grab onto those oxygen molecules and transport them, a bunch of stuff needs to happen with our body chemistry. And oftentimes, our body chemistry is not set up properly to be able to do that act. And so the breathing techniques that, that are really passed down for thousands of years, we're not really doing anything new. We're regurgitating, relearning ancient set of tools that go back three, four, five thousand years back to the Tibetan monks. Right. We're just seeing a rebirth of them and, and a continued wave of, of rebirthing, backed with science now. So now we can explain why the Tibetan monks use this style of breathing called Tumo, which Wim Hof popularizes more of a kind of a more accessible way for, for us human beings on, on the street. So what we do is typically the breath is broken. Now I'm going to specifically answer your question. The breath is broken mm-hmm. into shallow breath and deep breath. Shallow mm-hmm. breath means that we breathe into our chest only so the breath tends to sit up here a lot when we're stressed out if if we're not if we're not consciously thinking about our breath it tends to occupy this cavity it just sits up here this area the chest breathing also happens to be a sympathetic stimulator and sympathetic mm-hmm. stimulator means that fight or flight so if someone has is feeling anxious and if the breath is up here, anxiety, anxious is feeding more anxiety. Right. Is that though, are you breathing in order to feel it in the chest? Or are you primarily breathing through the mouth at that point? Or could you still be breathing through the nose and getting it only in the chest? Yeah, it doesn't matter how the okay. air is going. It's just that the breath uh-huh. is concentrated in the kind of the upper abdominal. It's not even in your abdomen. It's on the upper cavity. It's up here. If we were to kind of close our eyes and if someone's like got a lot of stress and anxiety, where is the breath? People will say, oh, it's just, I feel shallow. The breath Mm -hmm. is shallow. It's not really going deep. It's just kind of staying up here. That's what we call shallow breath. This is what we call, you know, even though it's filling up our lungs, like our lungs, this beautiful organ, the lung is, I mean, I think we could talk four hours about the lungs alone, which we're not going to, but... Mm -hmm. The lungs, that's where the breath is. That's where the exchange of CO2 for oxygen happens. It's really a miracle how, how, how the breath works and how oxygen enters our body and gets transported. But the breath, the point is that the breath, shallow breath is up here. Deep breath. So, and just, um, just so to explain that, if people aren't visually seeing it, it's basically from your chest up to your throat right is what you're kind of pointing to exactly it's kind of like uh you know our rib cage up to our throat um you know that's kind of it's it's the upper cavity and that that is where the breath it just feels shallow it doesn't go deep down into our roots Mm -hmm. so that's the opposite and i experience that a lot and i do do my breath but i experience that a lot and i can notice like when the anxiety starts coming up so now sorry so the opposite is going into yeah so before we go there do you like when do you notice it? do you notice it mostly like at work if you're stressed out or something yeah yeah 
it's it's interesting because like I'll be doing like this and this and this and I'll and like I actually when I first started going and working at the job that I have now I would be in like back to back to back meetings and by the end of the day my stomach would start to hurt it would get like super bloated and it would hurt and I was like what am I not drinking enough water like what's going on and then I started realizing I'm like I'm not breathing and I would literally and actually even this past week I can just tell my like I literally feel like I'm holding my breath like yeah. while I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I, I do. I think it would be important for me to kind of qualify breathing as this kind of hybrid nervous phenomenon that, that we do. So typically speaking, we categorize things that our body goes through as either <laughs> autonomous, things that happen automatically. So think of mm-hmm. like your digestion or the flow of blood, things that you typically don't have control over. And then there is somatic. Somatic is opposite of, well, not op- is complementary to autonomous. And those are things that you can tell yourself to do. So if I ask you, for example, raise your right arm, that's a, that's a command that your brain tells your body to do. So there's autonomous, there's somatic, and then there, there are these functions that kind of reside in, that can, in both of those dimensions such as blinking. Like if you don't pay attention, you will automatically blink because eyes need blinking to do all the dolls functions. But if I ask you to blink purposefully, that's something that you could do. Breath is sort of falls into that area as well in that you're working, you're concentrating on your job and happens to be like a stressful day and you're breathing without really being conscious of it. But if I asked you, Stephanie, take a minute and I want you to breathe into your diaphragm, that's something that you could command yourself to do as well. So mm-hmm. when we're, I don't want to say unconscious, but we're, but when we're on that automatic pilot zone of breathing, our, especially when we're stressed out and we got things to do and there's emotions involved, that stress emotion, the breath tends to be shallow. Mm-hmm. And when it is shallow, it's actually stimulating our fight or flight system, which is innate to all humans, uh, all living beings, really. But for mm-hmm. us, for us humans, um, I like to describe fight or flight. If you imagine the caveman, cavewoman days, you know, fight or flight is anything that happened outside of the cave was fight or flight. They were hunting. They were on alert. There was maybe like dinosaurs coming and chasing. Maybe there was other tribes that were trying to, you know, kill them or whatever. When you're outside of the cave, you're on high alert. When you're inside of the cave, the visual is, you know, you got a nice little fire going. You got like some (laughs) brontosaurus leg roasting. Someone's playing music. You know, like people are chilling. They're relaxing. That's our parasympathetic nervous system, our, our rest and relaxation. When we breathe deep, engaging our diaphragm, and I can talk about why we want to engage our diaphragm, that stimulates our parasympathetic or our rest and recovery. And so the best way to deal with stress and anxiety is to purposefully remind yourself and engage the lower part of our abdomen or our diaphragm and diaphragmatic breathing actually calms the body back down. That's a great way to deal with that stress and anxiety. Yeah. So fascinating. Like, cause it is true. Like a few breaths, just, like just stopping and like focusing on that, how it can reset. And perhaps I've trained myself to be able to do that too. Yeah. So let's, you know? let's, let's, if we can, let's pivot to athletic <clears throat> performance. 
and we can specifically talk about jujitsu. In your heaviest roles, we tend to be more on the fight or flight. Imagine rolling with a multi-stripe black belt, former MMA fighter, like heavy, big, six foot four, 240 pound, just the guy that you would, or a girl, um, that is, <laughs> you feel like is going to rip your arm off, right? You're like, oh shit, I'm going into this. So you need to be a high alert. Your, paras- your sympathetic nervous system is going to be on a high alert. You know, you got to like, you know, you got to defend yourself at best, right? So mm-hmm. the tendency in a role like that, and let's say it's a, I don't even know, like, let's say it's a nine minute role, right? It's a big role. And so the tendency would be to be breathing really heavily under a lot of stress. And what that does is it begins to this feedback cycle of more stress on top of stress. And you get to the point where you cannot think clearly about what you need to do to flow and to protect yourself. So you begin to make mistakes because most of your energy is going through supporting this breathing, this, your, your physiology and less energy is going into your computer system or brain. Right. So you can think clearly. However, same scenario. If you can manage to train yourself to breathe better, now you have this extra energy because your physiology is calmer and your, your, this extra energy can go into your computer system, your brain, and will mm-hmm. allow you to think creatively on how to problem solve that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do if you were just breathing heavily through, through your chest. Right. So what do you, uh, well, I mean, now if we're going into sports, but, um, so that's like a whole thing in itself. Um, what other examples can you use? Because, and just, um, for clarification, when he says a jujitsu roll, uh, rolling for people who don't do jujitsu is when you're actually physically training in, in jujitsu and you're like grappling one another. So, um, he, you have to use, like he's saying, it's like when someone's trying to choke you or submit you in some fashion, it is a flight or flight response because you're trying to avoid that. <laughs> 100%. Let's, let's give some yeah. other examples. Uh, you know, I also like to surf and I know that, that your husband mm-hmm. does as well. In big, heavy surf, if you approach the surf from a place of stress and anxiety, and you begin, let's say you're just paddling out. If you, st- if you start out stressed, it's going to be a rough day. Yeah. If you calm yourself down and you flow with not only your breath, but with the energy of the ocean, oftentimes the paddle out won't be as harsh as otherwise it could be. Even a better example. Let's say, you know, Kai Lenny is probably one of my most favorite um, athletes, if People don't know who he is. He's he's just an incredible waterman. He has pivoted away. I mean, he does everything well, but he's now focusing on giant surf surfing. So he surfs like, you know, 80-foot waves. And imagine you're surfing a heavy, heavy, huge day, and you wipe out in surf. And so you're now under the water mm-hmm. with tons of water crashing on top of your head. You have a choice. You can try been to there. maintain. You've been there. You can even try to maintain calm and, and calm yourself mm-hmm. down and, and, and think how to problem solve your situation, or you can freak out. And freaking out mm-hmm. um, can be, have, has some dangerous consequences. You can drown. 
Mm-hmm. Same thing with running. Same thing with cycling. I mean, this the application of of using breath as a portal to calm your central nervous system, your physiology, and your mentality down, so that you can either problem solve in whatever is being whatever situation you're finding yourself into, or to be able to think clearly on how to optimize your performance. It always, for me, always starts with breath. And I love that. I just went back and re rewatched um, Hicks and Gracie's. There is a there is a documentary on him called Choke. On it's available on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I, haven't seen it. It I haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. I've seen it like three times, and I just finished <laughs> reading his book as well. And I went back and and watched it again, and it gives you gives you a little bit more context as to some of the things that that is. Um, it's an hour and a half long, I think maybe an hour long mm-hmm. documentary but in it there is a section where he talks about um how he controlled his breath as a way to to set his physiology right when he goes into these valley tootle no 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 holds barred pretty much minimal rule you're basically there to kill the other guy not not physic, not you know literally but you're there to to beat someone up and pretty much any anything goes you got to be you got to be able to problem solve you got to be on you got to be able to think dynamically and he use, utilizes a breath to be able to set his physiology so that can happen we also saw right. mo- more recently kelly slater at you know cage 49 six days before his 50th birthday won the pipe masters in hawaii and there is uh there is a short clip where his girlfriend mentioned to him he was very nervous before his final heat and he was able to utilize breath to bring himself into the present moment and that allowed him to be more in this flow state so that he can think clearly about what to do and how to compete properly and that's the now i'm talking a lot but i like it um but that's and that's the uh, <laughs> and that's that's one of my favorite sayings is that we can't breathe into the past we can't breathe into the future you only have one option and that is to breathe in into the present moment and that's the kind of the the dilemma of the human um human being is that we are always battling between three dimensions one dimension is what happened in behind us one dimension is what's going to might happen in the future and then there is this dimension that is in the present moment and our challenge is that suffering exists in the two outer dimensions in the past and, and in the future suffering doesn't necessarily exist in the, in the very present moment more mm-hmm. often than not than it, it doesn't but sometimes it does but our challenge is to be in the moment and i think breath is a is a fantastic way to bring ourselves in, into the moment yeah uh, so fascinating and i like the present moment talk is always so fascinating to me but i i also i what is the connection between the cold, like the super cold, because I now do this cold bath that, um, because our sweet friend, friends Annie and Dave, they decked out their whole backyard for everybody that we can now crash their house several <laughs> times a week to go. Don't give do out this the, and, don't give out I know, the I know. <laughs> um, but you know, like I never really loved cold, and now I find myself doing it, and I. And even days when I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I go in because I know, like, like you with a breath, I, I hate it, but I love it. Like, cause I love how I feel after like 
what Annie always says, it's like a rebirth and it does, it feels like a rebirth. Even if like, I feel like I've been hit by a bus from training or I have this thing when I eat sugar, I feel like I'm hungover. Mm -hmm. Like I can go in there and it literally like just shocks the system. And I don't know if it's like the increase of blood flow that just, uh, like the super strict constriction and then, um, the increase in blood flow. I have no idea, but, um, you know, I, I winter time, I tend to fall out of my cold morning showers. Um, they're not that like, I'm not super motivated to do that, but I try to do the cold showers in the morning. But what is the connection between the breath and the cold that he put that together as the like module two of the Wim Hof method? Yeah. So the cold is, you know, again, that's one of those portals that we can spend quite a bit of time on because there's this physiological component to it and then there's absolutely this emotional psychological component to it as well but think of it mm-hmm. i have to believe that that the connection the thread between breath and cold is that our breath takes gets taken away when we're in in severe cold in severe mm-hmm. cold you know, again, I, as a scientist, I have to be able to quantify these things. And, and I think severe cold is a, an individual dynamic measurement of any temperature that is just outside of your comfort zone. So in a shower, we all love hot water. I don't care who you are. You love hot water. <laughs> I love hot water. Everybody loves hot water. Warm water, we can stand. Right. Like if you if your husband, if Blair takes one of his famous showers and there's not enough hot water left in the tank and you get in to take your shower. He does. He's hardcore. He does the cold showers. Well, let's but just, you know what he does? He leaves it on cold. And then I get in the shower, not realizing it because we have the like on off thing. And I'm like, oh, God. But let's just assume because he's a he's a big boy. He's got a lot of real estate to wash. Let's just assume that he wants to take a nice, long, hot shower. Let's just let's go with that. Okay. Let's say he's washing, he's, you know, covering all the areas that he should, that he doesn't often, but let's just say he does. And you get in <laughs> and you get, and you get in and you want to take a hot shower too, except now all the hot water is gone, but it's warm. You can stand it. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you stay in there for a couple of minutes, that warm water that you could, you know, tolerate now starts to get cold. And as soon as it starts to become agitating, I think that's the threshold for for us to pay attention to. And it changes. Today is going to be different than tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. is going to be different than the summertime. Summertime is going to be different than wintertime. It always changes. So imagine we have found that temperature where it is just agitating and you get in it and it immediately takes your breath away. Mm-hmm. Now, take that moment but magnify it even more so. Imagine that you're walking on a frozen lake in, pick your state, Alaska, for example, and the ice breaks and you fall in. I call that in my workshops the oh shit moment. Oh shit, the ice broke, I've fallen in cold water, I'm fucked. Ooh, can I cuss? Are you going to beep it up? Okay, I'm, I'm screwed. So that's what I call the oh shit moment. In our workshops, because we haven't, in fact, fallen into a, a uh, lake, a frozen lake, our lives aren't really at jeopardy, eventually the body will physiologically calm itself down. 
I call that moment the shit shift moment. It's actually a term that was coined by. <laughs> these aren't Doc technical. These, oh. <laughs> are, these are terms that were coined by Doc Trish, who's a San Diego fantastic human being and one of the early Wim Hof instructors. So this isn't my term, but I've adopted hers. Um, okay. But the point is that our physiology will adapt, will, and and it will adapt because the initial point of falling in through the ice or sitting in an ice bath, the the hormonal effects of that are equal to us being chased by a saber toothed tiger. It is it is stimulating our fight or flight. Mm. It is an absolute shock to the system, right? But eventually that shock will go away and your body will begin to stabilize. And you will realize that in fact, you're not being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, but you're just sitting in an ice bath in someone's backyard that's beautiful and everything's okay and your physiology will begin to adapt. There are things that are happening with regards to vasoconstriction, which you pointed to, where your body is going to stop the circulation of the blood in our extremities and pull it to protect the vital organs. So all the warm blood is going to be in our diaphragm, protecting our gut, protecting our heart, protecting our lungs, which is, you know, if your body was going to be under severe uh, stress, it wants to protect the vital organs. And so mm -hmm. it pulls the blood in that area. And then you eventually get out and your body will eventually realize that, hey, that was an, an interesting experience. And it begins to open up those veins again. So now we have vasodilation, and so this cold blood that's in our extremities begins to circulate and mix itself with this cooled, warm blood in our core, and it's kind of like weight training for our physiology. We're doing vasoconstriction, we're constricting the veins, so we're squashing them down, and then we're opening them up, and that's vasodilation. And this is a, like a cardiovascular exercise for our internal piping, which we don't normally get so there's so much that i love about that so going back to to your analogy um of like when you pictured the caveman days of being in the cave and then outside the cave like we don't really have that many uh i mean there are things that cause that flight or flight um uh Res response mm -hmm. but but really there's not we're not really put in situations that we could necessarily die like jujitsu we're not going to die because we're going to tap or you know what i mean you like or surfing you potentially could die but like you know there's there's things that we're not really under these things so like going in the cold it's like this extreme to like kind of mimic that too 100 percent. yeah correct absolutely if you um, to kind of expand because we've like kind of gotten Soft. softer so to say absolutely that this, like expands our it, um, one of my favorite books of all time is uh dr anna lemke out of stanford she just released a, a book a few months back called dopamine nation and in it mm. um oh yeah blair was talking about that fantastic book yeah. and in it she talks about exactly that stephanie in that our physiology is still neanderthal physiology it's designed to mm -hmm. withstand a lot that we don't give it credit for our technology is godlike technology. We literally can send signals up to up in space and receive it with, within a few seconds. We have godlike mm -hmm. technology. We have Neanderthal physiology, and we have systems 
such as our food systems and our transportation system, the government systems, the financial system, all of our systems are kind of like still industrial age wandato. So we, we have an imbalance in how we live our lives on a daily basis. We, our physiology prospers and does well based on friction. It needs friction, almost like the reason that people go to the gym and work out and lift weights and do cardiovascular. And the reason that we, that we exercise is because we want that friction to, to break our muscles down. And then through rest and recovery, we get stronger. Our muscles rebuild and we get stronger. Same is true for our emotions and our mentality and our chemistry. But because to your point, our lifestyles have gotten so soft. We, we have everything at our disposal. We literally don't have to leave the house. We still crave and we still need that physiological friction. As a result of not getting friction, people develop uh, addictions to various things. The number of addictions that are now clinical are incredible. It used to be like alcohol and drugs, maybe alcohol, drugs, and sex. And now it's alcohol, drugs, sex, social media, shopping, hoarding, you name it. Water yeah. addiction. Yeah. There is Anna Lempe talks about one of the, you know, the, the, she, I think Andrew Huberman out of the Huberman lamp, again, out of Stanford, asked, asked her, what is the, one of the most unique addictions that you have ever treated? And uh, she pointed to a young woman who unfortunately um, uh, lost her life, but she was addicted to water. It was a water addiction. She drank too much. She discovered that if she drank enough water, that the loss of minerals gave her a high feeling. And so she would get oh, a high shoot. out of over drinking. And eventually that, that unfortunately ended up having a severe effect on her physiology. And she lost her life as a result of like almost literally drowning herself by drinking too much water. So, we, and that's, and her premise in this whole book is that because we're not getting the friction that our physiology is designed for, we begin to look for uh, it elsewhere. Uh-huh. So let's bring it back to your question. Is our ice baths or exposure to cold a good way to reintroduce a certain amount of friction in our physiology that we actually thrive on? And the answer is absolutely yes. But it doesn't have to be an ice bath. It can be at the end of your shower, just go to a temperature that it begins to agitate you. And by agitate, I don't mean like you're ready to punch someone in the face. Just go towards discomfort. Mm-hmm. That should be the title of my book, by the way. Just go towards discomfort. <laughs> because we <laughs> don't, we like, we like comfortable living. If you, for <laughs> example, especially here in places like San Diego, where our average temperature is really narrow. Think about where you begin to feel cold and, and reach for a sweater or a jacket. And when you begin to feel too warm and you begin to either take you know, layers of clothing off or turn on air conditioning, that range is maybe 10 degrees, maybe mm-hmm. like 70 to 80 is where we live, right? But our physiology is really designed for a lot wider. So how do we increase this bell curve, this, mm-hmm. this average? We have to practice out here in the extremes to be able to increase this middle ground. And how do we do that is by engaging in sports that make us uncomfortable by taking cold showers, by doing breath work, which gets us away from just breathing like empty calories 
people were actually purposefully. Yeah, the, the breath in itself, like the breath that you teach, it's freaking hard. It's like a exercise. It's like a workout. It's exhausting to me. It is. It has um, its moments it's, where you have to put in the work because nothing is free in this life. So you got to work for yeah. it. But then there is bliss at the end of the rainbow, right? Right. We, exactly. You know, you get that high feeling. It's, a, you're getting it's the same chemical. thing as the cold, right? It's like the the it's shocking, but then yet you're like, oh my god, that feels amazing. Like at when you're out of it, you know. That is that is hundred percent true, and I also I think it would it would behoove us to also acknowledge that there are ultimately minimally two ways to approach something of discomfort. One approach mm-hmm. is fuck. I don't want to do it. This is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Just go approach something from this place of negative energy, mm-hmm. or you can approach it from a place of discovery and say, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to go do something that I, that's outside of my comfort zone. And when I don't know what's around the corner, when I don't know what's in my future, that's where discovery can happen. That's where yeah, you can learn something I, new about yourself. I love that point because it also goes to point like if you're feeding the anxiety with anxiety or like more shallow breath, you're going to get more anxiety. So it's like if you, the same thing with the mindset of like, I'm going to approach this with like being curious, what could I get? It's It could open up something where if you're like, this is going to suck, it's going to suck. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, I mean, look, look at you. <laughs> when you were thinking about, you know, starting this podcast, I'm sure that you had moments of doubt. I'm sure that you oh, had yeah, moments of, do. yeah, like, <laughs> like what, what the hell doing? am I doing? Like, what, when you first interviewed, like, you were nervous. You didn't know what was going to happen. You still don't know, but you're going to do mm-hmm. it anyway. And you can either mm-hmm. approach it as, ah, oh, shit, I got to interview this cam guy, or you can approach it from, <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk to my friend and let's just see where it goes. And there's maybe yeah. I'll learn something and there's some discovery here. And so mm-hmm. I'm saying that we have a choice and it oftentimes comes down to our mindset. And the mindset is coincidentally the third pillar of the mm-hmm. Wim Hof method, mm-hmm. because how, nice. how we set our mind towards anything is going to have a huge impact impact on how we feel about it and what we ultimately gain from it. And so I spent a ton of time to try to understand what is it when we say like mindset and mindset and focus, you know, what is it that we're actually talking about? And so I've distilled mindset into one phrase, and that is that I can. Mindset is I can. and that to me talks about anything. There's a famous quote by Muhammad Ali and, and he says something to the effect of mindset is, is what you repeat to yourself is the repetition of affirmations. And those affirmations will eventually lead to bel- a belief system. And that belief system, once it, once it takes deep conviction, then things begin to happen, both on the positive and the non-positive mm-hmm. side. If you tell yourself that you're not good enough, repeatedly, which is kind of the the voice that I think most of us battle with every day, that repetition of that affirmation that I'm not good enough will become a belief system. And that belief system can get deeply rooted. I mean, look at, you know, African Americans with the slavery or look at um, the Jewish folk or look at Middle East. I mean, you can point to a lot of different examples of of societal groups that have been told you're not good enough, you're this, you're not, you're, you're not enough. And that belief system becomes part of their culture. 
And guess what? Now science is showing that it can get passed down from generation to generation. Even if you and I believe that we're empowered and we're good and we have, we're creative and we're intelligent and all that stuff, we're still carrying baggage from our ancestors. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so that is, that is also parts of it. So mm-hmm. mindset is, I've distilled it to, I can, but it, that I can needs to live alongside a couple of other things. And one of them is focus. And focus is I will. So if mindset is I can, focus is I will. I will do this. I will approach the ice bath from a place of desire and flow and not a place of anxiety and fear. And then you also have to have some commitment, which is you're going to you know, you know, do what you say you're going to do, which is I do. Commitment is I do. You got to mask that with uh, something called integrity, which is you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And then to have an mm-hmm. open mind to it all. And that wraps around everything to have that childlike approach to things that I don't know everything. I'm going to go into this conversation. Maybe I'll learn something new and not go into it thinking that I know everything. And, you know, it's, that's just not the growth mentality. Is that your recipe for success? Success? Uh who says anything about success, but that's what I try to at least live well, up to. Well, I'm just saying that's what your recipe is. That's my recipe. That's my recipe. I try to live up to it every day, uh, but I also, um, and I think it's important for me to say that I, and I also give myself permission to fuck up because I think making mm-hmm. mistakes is really, really important. You know, I like to always say that, you know, people, we all talk about, I want to have more balance in my life. And one of my favorite sayings that comes from um, Ganga White, who has uh, the, uh, he's a yoga guy up in Santa Barbara. He's got a foundation called the White Lotus Foundation, got a book out. Um, And he, one of my favorite sayings is he goes, never balance, always balancing. We're always in the act of balancing. The only thing that's perfectly balanced is dead. Think of the, you know, swing arm on a grandfather clock. That thing is always going back and forth, back and forth. It's never perfectly balanced. The only time that it's perfectly balanced is when it's not working. Just stay still, (laughs) right? So I'm always in this act of trying to be balancing, which gives me permission to like fuck up. Like if I don't focus on my work, like my work is going to suffer. If I don't focus on my relationship, that's going to suffer, but that's okay because I'll go back to it. And then some other thing will suffer. And it's just this constant back. Well, and what's cool about that to circle back when you're, cause I've been, I've been battling that this week. Like I have my podcast. I I have like two different classes going on right now. I started taking vocal classes. I heard that. You know, Yes, I'm, I love them. And, um, you know, my work is like full on. So it's, um, and then I am my husband and jujitsu and I'm I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just, I don't know how to do it all. And like, so I have been kind of like, but I'm like, okay, I gotta just like love, I love everything that I'm doing. Sometimes I don't, but like, you know, it's overwhelming, but to go back to like, okay, just breathe present moment, be present. Cause what, why think about what you're not doing? Cause what you're choosing to do is all you can do in that moment. Right. Like, so it kind of then goes back to your principles. I think like I can, I will, I do. And you know what I mean? So I, I, I kind of like that cam. It's like a full circle. I feel you should come to one of my workshops and this is the, the type I, of stuff I that definitely, we, I definitely do want to do one of your workshops. I think, um, each time that they've, 
you've had them because you do them quarterly, right? Yeah, I think the next one uh, is April 23rd of okay, this year. I will try to plan on that. I think every time we've been out of town when you've had them or I was, I think I was sick or something. So um, definitely I would. I do. I think I'm planning on going next weekend to the one at, at Jiu-Jitsu School. Yeah, so we're doing uh, athletic prep or athletic performance. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's quite a bit of content. I appreciate you coming. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, but yeah. I actually just learned about it. I think today, or I've been hearing it, but then I was like, Oh wait, it's actually happening next weekend. And I'm like, Hey, I'm free. So I'm going to come. Yeah. And it's open to anybody. I don't know when this podcast is going to get released is, in March. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be released. Yeah. So they, they probably will be past you, but, um, Maybe in the show notes, I can put your upcoming, um, for your, for people that are local, um, put your upcoming workshop in April. Hopefully this will be released by then. Yeah, too. that'd be great. And then, you know, we have our Sunday breath at Gracie Baja. That's mm-hmm. also open. It's donation based. People can come join us if they wish. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that I answered your question about, we started out talking about breath. And what is it about breath? And then we talked about cold exposure, ice baths, not necessarily ice bath, but any temperature that mm-hmm. um, makes you uncomfortable, like lean into it, lean into those areas of this discomfort. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, like in a cold shower, you just turn the water back warm, like no big deal, dude. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about mindset. Um, and I think, you know, those three components, and that's one of the things that I love about the Wim Hof method is it just makes it so accessible for everybody to do it. Most of us tend to just focus on ice bath because it's this kind of like Instagrammable moment and mm-hmm. not everybody gets the chance to sit in an ice bath. It just seems like something, it's like the new marathon. I don't know. It's like, you know, something outside of uh, our norm. And so we tend to focus on that a lot and there's quite a bit of fear and anxiety around it, which is understandable. Like you said, you hate the cold. I mean, I'm middle Eastern warm blooded. If you would have told me back in 2017 that I would purposefully be sitting in 36 degree water on a regular basis, that just wasn't part of my part of my language. And now to your point, like I finally reached and I would hear people say like, my body just craves the cold like you're you're full of shit you're high there's no way and it happened and if it hadn't happened to me personally i wouldn't have believed it and now it's changed my relationship not only to temperature because i used to avoid surfing in the winter time because i hated the cold water and putting on wetsuits and it changed it has changed my uh relationship with water cold water surfing which has opened me up to new experiences and i wouldn't have that wintertime experience had it not been with my um, embracing cold showers and, and ice baths. And it's also changed my physiology. I know when I have not done an ice bath, like three or four days, if I'm not in cold of some fashion, I start to feel my age and my bones hurt mm. and my body hurts and I'm not recovering. And I'm feeling agitated. I don't know if you get, do you get this as well? I just feel more agitated. I'm short with people. I'm short with mm-hmm. myself. And then as soon as I get into an ice bath the next day, and I think Annie is 100% right, it's like a reset button. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just like I feel reborn again. And so it's a we're very blessed to to have you know our friends Dave and Annie who opened their beautiful home up to us, and it's just I love watching kind of fly on the wall the progression of how breath has grown. Um, not you know, within our small community and our friends and the transformation of Dave and Annie's backyard and how we began doing breath, you know, shortly after COVID when we were rolling in the garage and doing breath work mm-hmm. after, after like a, you know, hour, an hour and a half of jujitsu practice. And now it's regular over at UAC Baja and Sanitas with Nelson and professor Sean, just kind of leading the, leading the charge. And, Tuesday, Thursday, they breathe on their own. And it's yeah. just kind of like taking yeah. it to this beautiful form of themselves. And I had the actual opportunity and the pleasure of doing athletic uh, breath for athletic performance at Gracie Baja San Diego with Professor Ale uh, last mm-hmm. year. And that was a great showing. We had like 35, 40, I think 35 people on the mat. And it was a great session and lots of engagement, lots of questions. And I'm, I'm hoping for the same at our home studio with people i'm hoping that Mm -hmm. people will show up and it's really a resource for them and i'm just passing along knowledge that uh that has been gifted to me i think it's super cool and i love that you like you started the trend and yeah everyone because it it is so helpful i want to ask one more question um how often like because you said you start feeling agitated or how often do you recommend doing the cold like can you do it too much like is it something you could do every day or is it something that you you shouldn't like shouldn't do every day or like in order to balance out your physiology or uh what do you, what do you suggest yeah that's, that's a tricky question because as we all know <laughs> everyone's physiology is different and so um it's going to become cliche to say that it's it's a discovery it's an opportunity to discover your own physiology from a different perspective and so knowing gives you the opportunity to get to know yourself better. I can share with you that scientifically speaking, a an ice bath, the benefits of an ice bath, bath generally speaking, will last between four and six days. So if you're mm. in an ice bath about once a week, and mm. an ice bath, you know, you were talking about temperatures below 40 degrees. Mm. Um I've consistently measured my ice bath to be about 36 degrees. Mm-hmm. And for me, that temperature works well. It challenges me, but I also get the most amount of physiological benefit from it. Now, science, the scientific studies that have been done on cold immersion have been done on temperatures below 55 degrees. So technically, okay. anything below 55 mm-hmm. degrees um, will have the impact that you want. But I think, you know, perhaps, and this is just, this is camp I'm talking, this is my opinion. There's no science behind it. You know, sue me if you don't like it. I think any temperature that begins to, to feel uncomfortable is mm-hmm. the right temperature for you for that point in time. And the, and then, oh, sorry. Can, I was just, I'll finish by saying the analogy, the comparison that I share with people is that if we assume that we have an ice bath and the temperature in the ice bath is 40 degrees, and let's assume that the ambient temperature, as is often the case here in San Diego, is 80 degrees, the difference between 80 degrees mm. and the bath temperature in the ice bath is 40 degrees, right? So the delta is 40. 
Now, let's translate that into what happens in a shower. Let's assume that the hottest temperature uh, that you can stand out of your hot water is 90 degrees, which is about right. And let's assume that the coldest temperature that you that starts to kind of agitate you is about 55, 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. What's that delta? 35 to 40 degrees. You were looking mm-hmm. for temperature differences. We're not necessarily mm-hmm. looking for ice. So the best place for people to start is start ending mm-hmm. your cold shower, your regular warm showers with some cold exposure. And you don't, you know, if you want to time it, time it, but I think time is irrelevant. Just do it until you're feeling satisfied. Maybe play that song behind and, and on Spotify. Do it until you're feeling satisfied and end it on cold. Leave your physiology cold so it has the opportunity for it to, for it to warm itself back up again organically. I, and I love that because like if people don't have access to the cold bath, like doing the shower thing is a good, um, like a good option as well. Do you recommend to going like, cause I know we do the hot sauna to get super hot and then go into the cold for the extremes. And we didn't even touch into that, but do you think they should go into the extreme hot if they are doing it in the shower, do like the hottest shower that they can do first and then like you say end on the cold or i guess if, if they're just taking a hot shower it's a change in yeah you don't need to go to extremes you just like burn yourself yeah don't burn yourself <laughs> and you know, we also want to make sure that, that people people realize that you know if you have some health conditions where if mm-hmm. vasodilation and vasoconstriction and the movement of blood Thank might you. cause some issues mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you have AFib, that's probably not the right thing for you to do. If you're trying to become pregnant or if you're pregnant, it's not the right thing for you to do. If you have mm-hmm. epilepsy, there, there are certain conditions where um, don't do this stuff. It's, it's, it you. can be harmful for you. Also, one of the big risks with cold shower is that if, if your blood pressure is low and it drops lower, you could pass out and you can hit your head. So you know i'm just assuming that people know and will exercise common sense knowledge and oftentimes in our society we get into the kind of the minutia of well what's common sense because what's common sense to you may not be common sense to me yeah i get all that just be mm-hmm. safe dude like don't be don't be a dummy do this stuff and i'm gonna put that disclaimer in the intro <laughs> yeah don't be a dummy camp camp said don't be a dummy but, you know, we're like, not doctors here we're not doctors yeah but like even even with mm-hmm. breath you know there's been plenty of examples of people who are like are stuck in traffic in their cars and they decide that hey i'm bored or i'm feeling anxiety and I'm, i need to be home and i'm stuck in traffic uh, so they start doing breath and they pass out and there's an accident so don't mm-hmm. do it in when you're driving don't do it in an bathtub don't do it while you're riding a bike like be smart about this stuff because you're dealing with our physiology and there is an opportunity there is a possibility where we could push our physiology beyond a tipping point where you might pass out or you might you know if you pass out and you fall and you hit your head not a good not a good deal so always like in my workshops i ask people there's this component of no competition no force I want people to find 70% comfort level. So we use a rate of perceived effort on a scale of 1 to 100 or 1 to 10. If 10 is we got to take you to a hospital and 1 is you're wasting your time, you're bored, I want people to find 7 out of 10 and not go beyond 7. 
Same thing applies to an ice bath. Like find a temperature mm. where it's just becoming uncomfortable and that's the right temperature for you. And every day is going to be different. Yeah. Some days, you know, I don't do it every day. Uh, some days I just want a hot shower. Like mm-hmm. I'm banged up. Like I don't want to, I don't want to force myself to go. And that's the thing. Like it's always there for you. It's, it's a companion. It is something, this practice is something that will revive and rejuvenate and re- recharge your batteries. It's not yet another thing that you got to go crush because that's, we do that too much in our normal right. day lives. This is counter to the shit that we got to go crush. This is, this is a rejuvenation. This is a rebuilding. This is almost like a going to get a massage at a spa. That's the, that's the right. treatment that it should be under. Yeah. And and you're totally right there. I mean, I could go on and I'll have to have you back on um, because there are, there is so much more like I'd even love to get into like, what is the physiology of each of them? And like, what does that look like? There's, there's just so much more to it, but I'm glad that we got to talk about these little tools. Cause I, it's like a great introduction to it of some trying something new. Um, and like pushing those boundaries a little bit, you know, to get out of your comfort zone and have the mindset. I I do like your, your little rules. Those are good. I'm going to utilize those. Have rules. Um, I didn't know have rules. Or yeah, your little, what are your, um, the thing, the five, your five principles, we'll call them Camel's five principles. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the mindset, focus, commitment, integrity, growth? Thing? No, the I can, I oh, do, I, yeah, yeah. uh, the I can, I do, I will, yeah, um, same thing. integrity and yeah. Yeah. Um, so listen, I'm, I know we're probably running over your time limit. I do want in the spirit of being a resource to people, can I share a couple of things with yeah, folks? Because I do get these questions asked a lot about, Hey, I'm looking for like a guided breath practice and what's available. So if you don't mind, can I share a few resources with people? Is that cool? You can definitely share resources. And then I will also put, if they're websites or people, I will definitely put it in the show notes as well. Okay, awesome. So I just began recording like five, 10 minute guided breath practices that I'm hosting on CastBox. Um, And the best way to find those is I have a website and my URL is breathwithcam, all one word, breathwithcam, and cam is with a K, so breathwithcam.com. And then up on the top of the menu, there is a link to the cast box recording. And I just started it, so there's only like, I think, two or three relaxing protocols. Um, And I'm going to add to them. I'm trying to do like one a week. So they will grow. So that's awesome. one resource for you. My friend, and I'll put that link. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thank you. My good friend Reese um, has, has over the past two years, he has an online community breath practice called Our Breath Collective. Uh, love these guys. They are, they know their stuff and it's fantastic. It's a subscription based um, service. They have breath, live breath practice uh, every morning. I think they, do, they take the weekends off, but they have it every morning starting at 6 a.m. And I think they do workshops and they do retreats and they're just a fantastic resource. So look them up, our awesome. breath collective. And then um, on my website also, I have a link to a number of uh, play, a uh, number of YouTube videos that I have collected over the years. And I put them in a playlist. 
that are anywhere from like, you know, three rounds of Wim Hof method to like 20 minute DMT release breath and everything in between. And so that's also available on my website. And again, when you're practicing those breaths, please be in your home somewhere safe out in nature where you're not in a car or, um, in some other unpredictable situation. I have just going to add. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for that. I, um, and, and the last five day workshop that I did pre COVID, uh, they had us uh, practicing after a, a, a eight hour hike. They had us practicing the advanced Wim Hof method breath work, which is pretty, pretty throttle. Like you're putting a lot of energy behind it. And, um, our instructors had us sitting up. So we're just sitting and we do this breath work and then we do a breath hold. And next thing I know, I woke up with my head on a rock. Apparently I like leaned over, passed out, leaned over (sighs) and didn't bang my head, but my head was gently placed on a rock. So, you know, and I'm, you know, whatever, arguably, uh, you know, a a practitioner of breath. So one would think that I know what, what I'm doing, but they, I think they did that as a, as a showcase of, Shit can go wrong when you breathe. Mm-hmm. So be smart about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Camo. I'm so grateful for your time and that we got the whole uh, computer thing situated. Yeah, Steph, hey, I just want to, can I end by telling you that, you know, I don't like to speak out on behalf of most people, but I think I will speak on behalf of all our friends to tell you how proud we are of you <laughs> for this podcast and talk oh. about stepping outside of your comfort zone, man. You're crushing it. <laughs> Love you. Anything for you. Love you too, Cam. And we're just, oh man, this is just, I mean, I'm in, I'm in like a little bit of tears here. I'm so proud of the work that you're doing <laughs> and uh, just bravo, bravo with this whole thing. And I wish you all the success wherever you think you want to go with this. And I'm always available. Um, if I can contribute to it, it'd be my absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening. My hope is that this conversation has inspired you with a new awareness and has uncovered some beauty and wisdom within you. If you have enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, please feel free to reach me at stephanie.brownyard at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.